Well, good morning and greetings in Jesus' name again this morning. It's been a blessing to be here. I don't know what your week was like. Uh, weeks vary from one to the other. And, and as I think about the things that various people from our congregation are experiencing right now with health challenges and things, I'm grateful that we can turn to God this morning and look to him. What I want to preach about today is the foundation of our faith. Or you might say, faith is our foundation. Or you might say, the foundation of faith. But the reality that as Christians and as believers, we have a rock-solid foundation and a rock-solid belief, and it is anchored in our faith in God and our faith in Jesus Christ. And Floyd read there in Galatians, how there was a group of people that, that they weren't settled in their faith fully. And what I would like to do today, and Lord willing, over the coming sermons, is, is look at faith. Today, first of all, the foundation of faith, what is faith, and a few things like that. And then, Lord willing, in the coming sermons, look at some of the heroes of faith. And what I'd like to do, I don't know if this is possible or not, but I need, I need your help with this. What I'd like to do is collect stories of faith that are recent. Um, so I want to look at some of the heroes of faith in, in a future message, but I also want to look at some stories of faith that are recent and faith that people ha have exhibited in our church. Um, so if you think of a story of faith um, in the last 50 years here at Mine Road Church, we're going to keep it to people that are that go to church here. Um, maybe it's someone that, that went to church here and that's, that's uh passed on to their reward, that's fine, that, that works as well. But I'd like to collect some stories of faith and then share them. Because I think what happens sometimes, at least when I read a chapter like Hebrews 11, and Hebrews 11 is one of my favorite chapters, is I tend to think, you know, Abraham was a man of faith, but he was Abraham. You know, Noah was a man of faith, but he was Noah. You know, Sarah was a woman of faith, but she was Sarah. And I have a hard time perhaps assimilating these ideas of faith into my own life. And so I, I need your help. I want your help. And I want you to share with me stories, recent stories in the last 50 years that took place. Doesn't have to be anything spectacular. It, maybe it's an answered prayer that somebody experienced in their life. Maybe it was healing that somebody experienced. And as if we look through Hebrews chapter 11, we see some things that maybe weren't always super spectacular, but the way that People had faith in God, and God worked through them as a result. So share them with me over the coming weeks. I'd like to hear uh, from you in that way. Today, I want to look at the foundation of faith, and I want to look at three things in particular. First of all, what is faith? Secondly, why is faith necessary? And thirdly, is there room for faith in the modern scientific era? So first of all, what is faith? Secondly, why is faith necessary? And thirdly, is there room for faith in the modern scientific area? So you can go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to be looking at the first couple of verses there as we look for our definition of faith. And I was amazed as I studied faith just briefly, and, and I'm going to be centering primarily in Hebrews chapter 11, I was amazed how many passages in the New Testament talk about faith. Many of them. That passage in Galatians, 
How many times is the word faith in that in those 14 verses? Many times. Romans talks a lot about faith. Hebrews talks about faith. James talks about faith. We could do a separate study of faith in each of those books um, and, and come up with, with some interesting conclusions. But what I'm going to do this morning is center primarily in Hebrews chapter 11 and particularly in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I want us to contrast the biblical understanding of faith with perhaps the secular version of faith, because I think that can throw, throw us off sometimes. If we apply the secular perspective of faith, and we try to apply that to Scripture, it doesn't quite make sense. It doesn't quite add up. The common definition of faith that we find in secular society is complete trust or confidence in someone or something, strong belief in God or in the doctrines of religion, based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. Let me just read that again. Complete trust or confidence in someone or something, strong belief in God or in the doctrines of religion, based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. And if you think about that, you can see where they're going with that. You have faith because you don't have proof. And so therefore, what you're saying is just some fuzzy pie-in-the-sky idea. Sometimes the term is generalized to mean anything religious. For example, that man has faith, or he is a man of faith, or the faith community. And it's used kind of uh, as a general term to describe anyone that has any kind of spiritual belief in general. And so it becomes kind of fuzzy. But that's not what we find when we look at Scripture. The definition of the Greek word for faith is the conviction of the truth of anything. Belief, faithfulness, the conviction of the truth of anything. And here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it gives us a definition that says faith is. Faith is. So that indicates to us that it's giving us a definition. Faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the link between what is seen and what is unseen. Faith is the link between what is seen and what is unseen. The idea of substance there is the foundation or the confidence, something that's rock solid, something that's not just a fuzzy idea that may or may not be true that people like to talk about, but something that's rock solid. And then the word evidence is the idea of proof or assurance. So as we look at verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 11, faith is the substance or the foundation of things that we hope for. Things that we hope for. The evidence or the proof or the assurance of things not seen. And I believe what it's saying here is that faith helps us, takes us from just things that are hoped for and not seen and gives us something rock solid that we can hang on to behind those things. Okay, it's again, it's a link between what is seen and what is unseen, and it's really key to our salvation as we will see later in this chapter. Hopefully we'll be looking at that in later sermons. So faith is substance and it's evidence. 
It's not just something fuzzy, something unknown, something uncertain. Secondly, why is faith necessary? Why is faith necessary? If we look down to verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And at some point we'll look more into the reality that faith is a requirement to please God. Now, why is that? Why is faith required to please God? And I believe, I believe that one of the reasons is, I, I, there's probably several reasons, but I believe one of the reasons is faith is required to believe in anything that's unseen. Faith is required to believe in anything that's unseen. And so we must have faith to believe in God, and we must believe in God to please God. And so therefore, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Faith is required to believe anything that I have not personally experienced with my five senses, and the five senses being taste, touch, smell, sight, and hearing. And we could take that a step farther and say that faith is required to believe anything that I'm not experiencing right now, because I believe most of us know that our memory can't always be trusted. And if our memory can't always be trusted, how do we know that it can ever be trusted? We have, in the past, this happens numerous times where um, I will be sharing something with someone, and if my wife is there, I, I realize that my memory can't be trusted. If she's not there, I never know the difference. And so I find that my memory can't always be trusted, and I'm assuming that you find that as well. So we could say that faith is required to, to believe anything that we're not experiencing at this moment. <clears throat> we could even take that a step farther and say that faith is required to believe anything at all because how do I know that I can trust my five senses? How do I, how do I know that I can trust what my brain, what my mind is telling me? How do I know that my mind is properly communicating to, my fi- to me what my five senses are saying? And finally, philosophers take this a step farther by saying, how do I know that I'm not just some disembodied brain, some disembodied mind that's connected to a supercomputer with things uh, stimulating my brain to make, to make me think that I'm experiencing external things? In other words, how do I know anything at all? And these kinds of arguments lead us into nothingness and meaninglessness pretty quickly, and I don't think that's where Scripture and where God wants us to go. But again, the idea here is that we need faith to believe anything that we have not personally experienced ourselves. We need faith to believe anything that we have not personally experienced ourselves. We need faith to believe anything that has happened in the past that we have not witnessed. Uh, The history books, we put a lot of faith in, in our history books at school. Children, when you learn about history at school, you're just assuming that that what those people are saying are correct. You can't prove it. You weren't there. You don't know somebody who was there. And so you're making the assumption by faith that what they're saying is correct. We need faith to believe anything that has happened in the present that we personally did not experience or witness. Um, So if there's big news about some shooting somewhere, we need faith to believe that that happened. If there's news about an accident somewhere or a fire, we didn't witness it. We need faith to believe that that actually happened. There's, there's a number of common examples that people have given throughout the years of this. 
you know, faith is required to fly in an airplane. How do I know that the airplane's going to fly? Uh, faith is required when I sit on a chair. How do I know that the chair is going to hold me up? And on and on and on. We take faith for granted in many areas of our lives. But what about God? Can we access God through our five senses? We have numerous stories in Scripture of God being heard, seen, and felt. And you've probably heard stories of people that have heard, seen, or felt God in some way. I doubt you've heard stories of anyone that's seen God. You've probably heard stories of people that have heard or felt God. But these are the exception and not the norm. And so we need faith to believe what God has done in the past. We need faith to access God in the present. And we need faith to trust what God says about the future. But ultimately, faith is not just something that we need to experience God, but it is also something that we need to believe the vast majority of what we rely on as knowledge today. So faith is a critical part of our lives. And it really, it's a critical part of anyone's life, religious or not. And finally, is there room for faith in the modern scientific era? I've done some study on this because I found it fascinating that there's this unfounded misconception that science and God don't mix. And this misconception is not rooted in scripture. Uh, It's actually pretty clearly the other way, in my opinion, and I'm just one person, so you may have differing opinions. But this is a misconception that's commonly pushed by atheists especially who say that Christians and religious people use faith as an excuse to not do the hard work of figuring out how things work. Instead of figuring out how things work and and studying and testing, you just say, well, God did it. And that's that's the lazy way of looking at things. And to to a point, they're correct in some way. Because what I want to challenge us on this morning is that we don't have a lazy faith, because a lazy faith is a dangerous faith, and I'll go into that into a couple of reasons why in a minute. And then on the, on the other side, there's conservative folks like us who tend to be skeptical of the scientific world. Uh, we tend to view that the world of science as skewed data that's tilted and manipulated by the liberals to give us, to get us to do and to live how they want us to do. And to live, and I think we need to be careful with that, um, with how we view uh, science in that way. And this is unfortunate because, from the very beginning of the scientific revolution, it was driven by Christians, by devout Christians primarily. Copernicus, Kepler, Newton, Faraday, Mendel, all had at least a belief in God, and a number of them were devout Christians. And John John Lennox says it this way: Men became scientific because they expected law in nature, and they expected law in nature because they believed in a lawgiver. Did you catch that? Men became scientific because they expected law in nature, and they expected law in nature because they believed in a lawgiver. I believe many people today expect that science will somehow teach us everything, give us all knowledge, and liberate us from the need 
of God. Liberate us from the need of needing to answer to God. And that's just not the reality of how science began. The scientific revolution was started by Christians, men who knew the lawgiver, and so as a result, they expected to find laws in nature that, that could be repeated. That would always be the same. Every time I do this experiment, I'll get this result because that's how God created things and put things into motion. And, they, and because they expected law in nature, they became scientific. In other words, their belief in God drove them to science and not away from it. Their faith in God, he that comes to God must believe that he exists. By faith, we understand that the world was framed by the word of God. And that's found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, if you jump down a few verses. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. And again, belief in God drove these men to science and not away from it. These men had a faith in God. And because of that faith, they expected to observe and witness an orderly universe with specific laws that work the same way every time. If you don't have an orderly universe with specific laws that work the same way every time, you can't do science. Science is impossible because you'll get a different result every time you do the same experiment. And so what did they find when they began to do science? They found an orderly universe with specific laws that work the same way every time. And this, in turn, strengthened their faith in God. And there's actually a very strong argument to be had that the West experienced the scientific revolution long before the East did because of the West's belief in God and of who he is as the creator of the universe. And I believe it's most unfortunate today that science has been taken over by secularism and that Christianity, particularly conservative Christians like ourselves, tend to say, well, you know, science isn't really important, um, but that's another discussion for, for another time, I suppose. So is there room for faith in the modern scientific era? This is an important question because there's an argument out there, and I believe it's gaining ground in our culture. I hear snippets of it here and there, and I even maybe observe some of its um, ramifications in my own life if I'm not careful if I'm not guarding against this. And that's this idea that throughout history, there were many things that, that people attributed to gods and to the spiritual world as an explanation for things. Weather, thunder and lightning, health and prosperity was all attributed to kind of the spiritual world and what happened in the spiritual world. And as a result, people in those religions were required to complete and, and give certain sacrifices to appease their gods over the years. And then as science progressed, man began to realize that there's a scientific reason behind thunder and lightning and rain and sickness and good crops and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then finally in 1859, thanks to Charles Darwin and his research and his book, The Origin of Species, we find out, we figure out where the variety of life comes from, and so we don't need God to explain that. And eventually, we're going to figure out how life originate, originated, which is what we're currently working on as scientists, and that would be the last thing that we need to extinguish this notion of God. And that's just simply not the reality, which we'll get to here in a minute. Now, before we get all fed up with science and become anti-science like we tend to be, let's appreciate for a moment 
that science really has liberated people from a lot of false gods. Science will never liberate people from the God of the Bible because the God of the Bible created, and you can never explain creation outside of faith at some level. But science has liberated people from many other gods and being fearful of many false gods that have popped up over the ages. And so in that sense, science has has liberated mankind from many false gods, studying true science and connecting that to who God is. Another concern from the atheistic community is the concern that following faith blindly will cause people to do wild and crazy things, or worse yet, use their faith to justify violence or large-scale tyranny. And this is not completely unfounded. Look no farther than the terrorist attacks of 9-11 or the Catholic Church just prior to the Reformation, and you find examples of widespread violence and of widespread tyranny and of controlling people through the use of faith. Blind faith is extremely dangerous, especially when it is coupled with unquestioned obedience to an evil authority. And I'm going to say that again because I want us to be careful with this. Blind faith is extremely dangerous, especially when it is coupled with unquestioned obedience to an evil authority. And we see that. We see blind faith throughout the world. And so faith in and of itself, uncoupled from God, is not good. And it can actually be a very challenging thing for humanity. But it's important to note that this statement is true whether you're religious or not. Whether you're religious or secular, blind faith is dangerous, especially when it's coupled with unquestioned obedience to an evil authority. But I want us to take a moment to think about this, because Christianity, while being blamed as a blind faith from time to time, really is not a blind faith. It's not a faith that's just built on some mysterious being, and we have no, no way of testing it and proving it. And, and finding things out. And it's important to note that the idea of faith also carries with it the idea of belief and of trust and of commitment. And that belief, trust, and commitment is only as good as the evidence for it. And I believe that takes us all the way back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith includes the ideas of belief, trust, and commitment. And that belief, trust, and commitment is only as good as the evidence for it. And so I want to make sure that we get away from this idea that we as people should blindly believe in a God of some kind without any evidence for it. As a matter of fact, blind faith in idols and other gods is condemned in Scripture. All throughout, all throughout Scripture we find that. The Bible does not encourage blind faith. Our faith in God and, his, and in Christ is rational and it's evidence-based. Now, we can go too far that way because it's not only rational and evidence-based, but it is rational and evidence-based. Some of it comes from science. Some of our rationale and evidence comes from history. And some of it comes from our own personal experience. <clears throat> now, I'm going to go out on a limb here a little bit and say that it's important that I and that you don't base your faith solely on personal experience alone. Don't base your faith only on your personal experience because that can be dangerous. Rather, faith 
our, the evidence for our faith comes in a variety of ways. And again, this falls in line with what Scripture teaches. Hebrews 11.1, 1, substance and evidence, foundation or confidence of things hoped for, evidence, proof, or assurance of things not seen. Romans 1.20, uh, we can turn there as well. Go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 1, uh, looking at verse 20 in particular, and some of you could probably quote this or probably know where I'm going with this verse. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. What? You catch that? The invisible things of him, the invisible things, not the visible things. Okay, let me just read that a different way. For the things that you can't see of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. How is that possible? The invisible things from him, of him, from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, so that we are without excuse, so that all mankind is without excuse. God's invisible qualities of eternal power and divine nature, they're invisible, but they're clearly seen, being understood by what he has made, so that all men are without excuse. So from Hebrews 11.1 1 and Romans 1.20, we see from these two passages that we can actually see God through what he has done. But we still need faith because we can't physically see him or physically access him. And there's a number of arguments that we could use to prove that God exists. One goes like this, whatever begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist, therefore the universe had a cause. Pretty airtight, pretty clear, uh, very, very logical. In addition to that, since the universe cannot cause itself, the universe must have been caused by something outside of itself. Logical, clear. You can't cause yourself, so you've been caused by something outside of you. Same with the universe. The universe cannot calls itself, it must have been caused by something outside of itself. Since the universe is comprised of space, time, and matter, and the cause of the universe came from outside the universe, that means that that cause must have been spaceless, timeless, and immaterial. The cause of the universe came from outside of it, and the universe is made up of space, time, and matter. Therefore, the cause of the universe is, also, is without space, without time, and immaterial, or without matter. In addition, the cause of the universe had to make a choice to create the universe, and any being that makes a choice is a personal being. Therefore, the universe had a cause, and this cause must be spaceless, timeless, immaterial, immensely powerful, and personal. That really narrows it down, doesn't it? It doesn't give you a lot of choices, when you're trying to figure out what created it all. There is also strong evidence that we can find that Jesus existed, that he died, and that the tomb is empty. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on this because these facts are virtually undisputed by any historian that studies these things seriously, whether they're Christian, religious, or atheist, or other. So we know, have strong evidence that Jesus existed, that he died, and that the tomb is empty, but we still need to take the leap of faith. 
and believe that he rose from the dead. We can't completely access everything about Jesus and everything about God completely through logic and science. We have to take the leap of faith and believe that Jesus rose from the dead. So is faith built on evidence? Or is faith a belief where there is no evidence? Or is it both? Is it part of both? Is it built solely on evidence, or is it belief where there is no evidence? As we looked at previously, faith is required to believe anything that we haven't personally experienced ourselves. Faith, again, is the link between what is visible and what is invisible. And if we want to believe or access anything that we haven't personally experienced, it requires faith to do that. But at the same time, throughout Scripture, God encourages people to not only take others, other people's word for it, but to try it themselves. I find this really interesting because God could have said, thou shalt believe on me and just do it. He could have said that. He would have had every right and authority to do that, but that's not what he says. Throughout Scripture, time and time again, we see passages like Psalm 34, 8 that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Not, you shall believe on me, but try me out. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, God challenges us to try his yoke. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, try it on, try it out. I'm not going to force you to do it. I'm not going to make you, make you do it. I'm not going to make you believe, but try it out. Malachi 3.10 states, bring the tithes and offerings to me and prove me or let me prove to you what will actually happen. Go ahead, do what I say, try it out, and I will show you what will happen. I believe what God basically is saying here is try God for yourself and see if he is who he says it, who he says he is. Don't take other people's word for it. Try it on for yourself. It's a personal relationship between you and God. Seeing God working in the lives of hundreds and thousands of people is very strengthening for our faith. But seeing him personally work in your life, I believe, is one of the most strengthening things of all. So what is faith? Is faith just simply believing something that we don't have any evidence for, ungrounded, wishy-washy, lazy, blind? Is that what faith is? Well, that's what Webster's Dictionary would have us believe. But that's not the biblical understanding of faith. Again, the term for the Greek word is conviction of the truth of anything, belief or faithfulness. Hebrews chapter 11, 1, it's a substance, it's a foundation, it's a confidence. It's the evidence of things not seen or the proof or the insurance of things that we can't see. Faith is rock solid and intended to be rock solid. And yet, again, it's the link between the seen and the unseen. So it's not because we can't access God with our five senses, we still requires faith in order to believe in him and in order to please him. And why is faith necessary? Faith is required to believe anything that I have not personally experienced with my five senses, whether I'm religious 
whether I'm an atheist, regardless of what else I believe in, faith is required of me to believe anything that I have not personally experienced. And faith is required to access God because, again, we don't typically experience him with our five, five senses. And thirdly, is there room for faith in the modern scientific era? Do God and science mix? Science and God offer us two different types of explanations. Science explains what we experience today, explains how things work, doesn't explain why things work, doesn't explain what makes things work. It just explains how things operate. Through observation, we can see how things work and how they operate. And through prediction, we can see how things will work and how they will operate the next time. On the other hand, God is the only viable explanation for how things began. God is the only viable explanation for how things were put in motion. And in addition, since God created, he can also reach into his creation and feed in an event at any time that goes against his laws of nature. And this is, this is what we would call a miracle. When there's a miracle, God intentionally reaches in to the laws of nature, which work the same every time, all day long, work the, in, the, in the exact same way. And God can feed energy in and a new event in and work against those laws of nature if he wishes to. And that's called a miracle. And he's the only one that can do that because he is the creator. And so we see that God and science do not collide. But as the early scientists saw during the scientific revolution, science strengthened their belief and their faith in God. So what about you? Have you experienced God? Have you accessed him by faith? Or have you completely tried to access him through the intellect? There's two sides to this road, two, two ditches that we can fall into. And one is to completely attempt to access God through our intellectual capacity only. And the other side is to not worry about the intellect and just blindly believe. And I want to challenge us against that because that can lead to an improper faith. That can lead to faith in something that's false. Have you accessed God by faith? Have you accessed him by the evidence of what you, what you see around you? And most importantly, my question for you is, have you tried him? Have you tasted and seen? Have you tried on his yoke? Have you tasted and seen for yourself? Let's kneel for prayer.